Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Matt. Over there is Ryan, and we are coming at you with episode 564 of the pod. We're getting down with rookie ADP. We got more rookies to talk about in the rookie report there's a little bit of news but first we got to say hey to the guys matt what's up how much man i get excited for this draft we got uh what two less than two weeks now so uh we're we're getting into it we have less than 10 days now come on 10 days less than 10 days yeah i think you're thinking weekend and uh, the draft starts on Thursday, buddy. So yeah, we don't five have days, time. I'll be in Denver. So I'll be there. Oh, my gosh. Jealous. I got to wait an extra couple days. Uh, Ryan, you are counting down, apparently, to the NFL draft. I'm sure you're looking at just as many mocks, if not more, than I am every day. I am yes. addicted. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> really, uh, anything anything draft coverage content, I'm, I'm trying to soak it in and learn as much as I can about, about these prospects. And in, in less than 10 days, we'll really learn what we need to know about them, where they're going to be drafted and which team they're going to be playing for. Yeah. There's, there's so many intriguing talking points and we're going to, we're going to try to cover some of those in this week's episode. You know, we, we focus on those offensive players, the skill position players really, but, This draft is so full of intrigue, especially at the top on the defensive side of the football. Those of us that that love the draft because of Dynasty, we're excited for guys like Bryce Young and and the rest of that quarterback class. And of course, uh, B. John Robinson, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba and, and all that tight end class. But really, the amount of talent that is in the draft at the other positions is very intriguing. If you're an NFL fan... There is there's so many def- there there are defensive players that are going to make instant impacts and that's super exciting. So I've been spending some of my time reading up on guys like uh, Lucas Van Ness, who I know a little bit because I'm a Big Ten football fan. Uh, he's a he's an edge edge rusher, and you know that might not be a name that's familiar to a lot of people, but that that's how. That's what a loser I am. I, I read up on defensive ends and uh, linebackers this time of year. Uh, he's going to be a top 10 pick, so you should. Yeah, he's going to be a darn good one. So uh, and there's plenty of guys like him. So but let's uh, let's keep it to the dynasty uh, point of view. Uh, we got some news that we need to cover in the startup. The startup. Well, there was some big news on Monday coming out of Philadelphia, guys, that Jalen Hurts got a new contract, and it wasn't just any ho-hum contract. In fact, he's the highest paid player in NFL history, got the third most guaranteed money, Matt, five years, $255 million, including $179 million guaranteed. You know, that Philadelphia offense was impressive last year. That team was impressive, really. And it had a lot to do with Jalen Hurts. He's such a good football player. So much fun to watch. And from a dynasty perspective, just like an anchor, especially on a super flex team. Yeah, absolutely. You love to see the guy get paid. He's clearly earned it. Uh, has has basically fought off all the naysayers from college that he couldn't pass from his first year in the league. 
Uh, he couldn't pass. And, you know, Dan <laughs> last year was like, this guy ain't going to make it. Uh, I think $250 million <laughs> says otherwise at this point. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited for him. I don't know if this does anything to the Jamar, or excuse me, the Lamar Jackson, um, you know, contract issues right now. Uh, I suspect not. It's Lamar wants what he wants. Uh, but it's nice to see another one of these these rushing quarterbacks get paid, you know, like the, the, the constant constant thinking was that we're not going to pay these guys because they're going to get hurt uh, and uh, they're getting paid. So it's good to see. Now I'm going to take the L on that one. I wasn't in the Jalen Hurts camp and he completely changed his game, improved dramatically. You know, guys, we regularly <clears throat> we regularly talk about some of the biggest changes or, or the most dramatic changes among quarterbacks, especially. And, you know, there, there's, there's guys like Josh Allen who improved dramatically, right. As a passer from the pocket, Jalen hurts should be mentioned in the same breath, Ryan. Yep. Jalen hurts yep. made a lot of strides and, and he had coaching changes and, and they added a lot of talent to that team, but you got to give him so much credit. Uh, and you know, you just got to tip your hat and say, man, you deserve this new contract. You worked hard. He's so humble too. I'm a fan of Jalen Hurts. I, I really, I really question if he could make that kind of leap. And like I said, I'm I'm taking the L. He he is the man, and he really blends elite athleticism with a good head on his shoulders and the ability to run an offense at a very high level. I love Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I do too. I I was wrong on this one as well. Um, really because of some of the, some of the signals we were getting from, I would say from the NFL in general, but from the Eagles as well. And, but ultimately none of that matters. We were wrong. And I'm, I'm so glad we were honestly, because kind of like you're saying there, Dan hurts is he's just such an easy guy to root for so much fun to watch him play. And um, like, yeah, as you said, just, just seems like like a really good guy, like a um, somebody you want uh, you want on your favorite team, or uh, you know you want to cheer oh, for on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, that well, that's what I was gonna say. Sometimes that's all it takes to uh, increase a player's value because there is this demand. Like, hey, I I want to have fun watching him and cheering for him, and I want his yeah. success. I want his success to lead to success for my dynasty team and. Um, sometimes that's all that's needed to boost a player's value even more. Um, so that's, I would say that's a very small percentage of what, what we've seen push him up into those top three quarterbacks along with Josh Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And and, you know, there's still those out there that are going to say, Hey, let, let's not overlook Joe Burrow or let's not forget about Lamar Jackson just because he's been banged up a couple of years. Maybe that, Maybe that tier continues to grow here. I'm wondering, Matt, do you think this does anything for his dynasty value that that it's over, that he, that he's locked in now, he's going to be in Philadelphia for the next five years and he got all this money? I don't think so. I mean, he, he's already my quarterback one. He can't go higher at this point. Uh, he's just, it just like solidifies him as he's here. He's, he's here for the long term. He's going to be a dynasty yeah. asset for, for the long term. That's really what this does for him. What I really like about what Philadelphia did specifically is they just kind of ignored everything else that's going on on, about paying quarterbacks. They didn't make a big deal about it. They worked out a deal with their guy who they believe in 
gave him the most money in NFL history, worked out a guaranteed number that worked for both sides, and they got their guy. Matt, you mentioned that he's another running quarterback, uh, a guy who who makes a lot of his hay on the ground um, and with his athleticism that gets paid. I think it's intriguing that he got this this deal now and got the five-year deal because I wonder if maybe these teams are saying, okay, maybe we, we need to pay these guys. We got to keep them. But maybe we should lock them up a little bit earlier for a little bit long-term, more long-term, get them through that through that year eight, year nine range. And if they maybe see, don't see the shelf life as 15 years uh, because of guys like Cam Newton and others, maybe they see it as a 10-year shelf life. So they want to they want to make sure they lock up these prime years between years four and eight or nine. Well, I, one thing that when you said that it made me think of one quarterback in particular, and that's Dak Prescott. And you know, his I can't remember off the top of my head what his contract is, but I do remember that the Cowboys didn't want to pay him. They didn't want to pay him, and then they had to pay him. It was too late, and they had opportunities to lock him up for for much cheaper than what his current salary is. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I mean, like if you if you feel like this guy, th- these quarterbacks are good, you know, start negotiating in years, you know, maybe like year three or four instead of waiting till that fifth year or for for, for players that don't get that fifth round uh, option or, or excuse me, f- uh, fifth year option that are drafted in the first round. Maybe you're maybe you're being started that in year two if you see something. So uh, otherwise, you're you're paying two hundred million dollars for uh, for a, for a studly quarterback and maybe soon with with the way salary caps are going and and the way these quarterbacks are getting paid, maybe we're going to start seeing, you know, I mean, we already saw 120 million or whatever it was for Derek Carr. We saw a hundred million for Geno Smith. We saw a hundred million for, for Daniel Jones. So if you want to lock down one of these elite guys, it's, it's, it's going to be pricey. So you might as well start negotiating early if you see something uh, that you like. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, you look at this type of contract, he's the highest played, highest paid player in, in league history. Uh, over 250 million potentially on the deal, a hundred and what is it? 180 ish, uh, guaranteed, guaranteed 170. Yeah. So it, it's hard to look at that deal and say that's a team friendly deal, but I think it's, yeah. that's exactly what it is because the, the Eagles are savvy to get this move done right now. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in the midst of the Lamar Jackson drama, um, and then looking at who's next, right? I mean, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence and and eventually Lamar <laughs> Jackson. All of these guys are going to get contracts that probably exceed what we just saw Jalen Hurts get. So this is, I think, a, a super smart play and great timing by the Eagles. Yeah, I, I was going to say the exact same thing. There are more things, more more big paydays coming down the pike, and this might look like the bargain of the group, to be honest with you, especially coming off that MVP caliber season and that Super Bowl appearance for the Eagles. Before we move on, guys, I, you know, I can't help but think about a year ago when we were debating uh, Hertz's value and, and where he fit in, not only with the Eagles, but in the dynasty landscape, because we all recognize because of that rushing upside and that ability to make big plays with his legs, that he had elite upside. But there was also many of those naysayers that you talked about, Matt, that questioned whether he could handle an NFL offense full-time and, and, and really stand in the pocket and deliver the football on time and with, with good anticipation. So we all debated if he was a franchise quarterback, if he was going to be that guy with that elite upside and stay on the field, and he did it. 
last year. He really, uh, you know, he proved his upside, not only that it was there, but, but he could reach that upside, that potential. So I'm wondering if there's a quarterback, Ryan, right now that, that could make the same kind of leap, who would that be for you? I mean, thinking about the types of questions that we had about, about Hertz at the time, um, I, I would say probably more so the, the previous offseason than last year. But um, it, to me, it's got to be Justin Fields, right? I mean, there's still plenty sure. of people out there that would say Justin Fields is not a real quarterback. He's, he's not long for the NFL and, and all of those types of comments. Some of the same things that we said, uh, we uh, being the community in general, said uh, about Jalen Hurts. So um, I, I, I believe in Fields' talent overall. Um, we haven't seen him necessarily improve as a passer yet, but uh, I, I, I definitely think that, that it's possible that he does. I mean, for me, what really put Jalen Hurts over the top is the support he got uh, on that Eagles roster. You know, they trade for AJ Brown, they draft uh, Devonte Smith the, the, the previous year. So, you know, they just continued to surround him with, uh, with playmakers. We, if Justin Fields is going to make that type of leap, uh, they need to do the same thing. They, you know, it's a good start by bringing in a guy like DJ Moore, but uh they need they need more help there for sure. Yeah, certainly more work to be done. I I couldn't agree more. Fields is the obvious one, the first one that comes to mind when you think of that. Matt, is there somebody else for you? I've got I've got a few others. You want me to just throw them all no, out there? No, give me the top one. All right, uh, Fields was the easy one for sure. Uh, the next one I would say, you know, if he's going to be the starter, Trey Lance, you know, another similar profile. Okay. We have all kinds of questions about him. Uh, maybe even more so, uh, obviously more so than than Fields, and probably more so than than Hertz at this stage of his career. So I think Lance sticks out uh, as the next guy that could could make that leap. Yeah, got the coaching staff. I had him listed as well, a couple spots below, but certainly qualifies as a guy who could make a big surge. The next guy for me was Tua. I really thought he was he, he could be a guy, and he proved it just a little bit. Early last season, I, I think he was banged up early in the year and missed a couple games and then came back and had like four straight QB1 finishes, including a, a QB1 finish overall, a QB3 week and a QB4 week in a month stretch right before their buy. And, and there were a lot of us in the Dynasty community that thought maybe it all clicked. Maybe they brought that right weapon to go with Waddle. Uh, along with Waddle, add Tyreek to that offense, and and maybe everything's coming together. I, you know, we all we all question the injury history and wonder if that's going to affect him moving forward. And I think those are legitimate concerns. But if we're looking pie in the sky and everything works out, if Tua is able to stay healthy with that coaching staff and the weapons in place down there in Miami, I could see him moving uh, into that into that tier two of quarterbacks pretty easily and maybe at his ultimate upside could make the same kind of jump that Hertz made. Although that would probably take a little bit more athleticism with his leg fantasy points using his legs than maybe he's shown to this point. Currently quarterback 12 in our super flex ADP. Uh, he's got a lot of room to grow to, to get all the way up there with those guys like Hertz. Matt, you said you had a couple other names. Who are those? 
Yeah, yeah, this one doesn't really fit, like, if we're talking about the profile of the player, but Deshaun Watson, I'm talking about a dynasty value, used to be a top three to five guy. Now he's down at quarterback 12, I believe, in our in our consensus rankings. So I think he's got room to grow. And then this one, this one's a little bit, uh, a little bit difficult for me to say, Dan. But, uh, you know, I think if Jordan Love is better than we think, that maybe he's going to make some kind of ascendancy. Maybe not to the top five, but, you know, currently at quarterback 29 in our consensus rankings, super flex rankings, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I, if he comes out and plays well, you could see him up in those that fringe quarterback one mid QB two kind of range. I think. Ryan, anything to add to that? Yeah, just, I mean, I think when we see these types of success stories, we always try to find the next whoever, mm-hmm. right. Who's the next Jalen hurts. And for me, at least personally, I know one of the things that always kind of led me to question hurts was his draft capital. You know, we hang on, we probably hang on to that way too long. He was not a first rounder. I think every other name we mentioned there, uh, including Jordan love, were all first round players. So they've got that uh, already. That's they have point. that. They already have that advantage over a guy like Jalen hurts who had to overcome, you know, not on the field, but in our perception had to overcome, um, that lack of elite draft capital. And obviously he's done that and, and way more. So I think if you're trying to match it up exactly as far as that second, third, fourth round pick who, who just continues to impress, there's really not one right now. Uh, and just a, just a reminder that guys like Hertz don't come along very often. Yeah, you'd have to reach pretty far to get to guys like Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter. Um, That's a pretty big stretch for sure. Uh, Most of the names that I considered, in fact, all of them were first round guys. The only other name that really came to mind for me, and and this one might be a stretch too, was Kenny Pickett. I could see a a surge Mm. for him uh, with the weapons there in Pittsburgh as well. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, you know us here on the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We're always down with ADP, and we guys, we got to talk rookies. You know, we just spent – why did we spend so much time talking about these veterans? Everybody knows about them. Holy cow, let's talk Boring. rookies. <laughs> and we thought we'd touch on some rising and falling rookies. And really, I wanted this, guys, to be just an open conversation where we talk about guys who have moved up and down our personal rankings or preferences among this rookie class, whether it be super flex or single quarterback, whether you're thinking about uh, rookie drafts or rookie auctions, or maybe even Debbie leagues, who are the guys that are moving up and down? But, but to kind of get my mind wrapped around it, I decided to look at our ADP going back to February and then our most ro- recent rookie ADP here in April to see who the big changers were and there's not going to be a whole lot of surprises on this list i i calculated the top 10 uh just simply by their their adp a couple of months ago compared to now and you won't be surprised that anthony richardson is one of the top names he gained 8.1 spots in adp ryan his his value has clearly gone up it's gone up in the nfl it's gone up in the dynasty mindset Matt, our own Matt Price, calls him the QB1 in this class in Dynasty because of that raw upside and that ability to score so many points with his, with his feet. Uh, there's, there's an inherent risk, though, with Anthony Richardson, no doubt. 
Yeah, there, there certainly is. And I think part of that uh, rise up uh, the ADP and, and, and the general value gain that we've seen in, in dynasty comes as a result of his, his value gain, his gain, his move up in the NFL draft, because he looks like a locked in top three or four pick in the NFL draft. Now, just a, a little, uh, a little more than a week away. We as dynasty managers, if you're doing a mock draft or if you're ranking these players, we feel more confident in him. And, you know, we've talked about him a bunch. I actually agree with Matt. I think in, and I think the data we have here, the ADP data is single quarterback. In a single quarterback league, I actually have Anthony Richardson as my QB1 in that format as well. Uh, although I prefer both Stroud and Bryce Young in a super flex league. I think this is, you know, this is one of the rare exceptions where I, I do see a reason to uh, a reason for those rankings to differ because of Richardson's upside in a single quarterback league. I'm more willing to gamble on that. I like how you said that, Ryan. I actually agree with Matt. I know uh, it, was, it was a surprise. Every now and then for that happens. <laughs> I learned something new about, like, maybe not new, uh, but something that I didn't necessarily realize before about Anthony Richardson. You know, he's only three pounds lighter than Derrick Henry, and only one, and, and actually an inch taller than Derrick Henry. He's freaking Dan, Derrick Henry playing quarterback. I mm. did not know that. That sounds like something that my son would tell me about on his ultimate team on Madden. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to take that. <laughs> I'm not going to call you daddy, Dan. <laughs> Richardson gained 8.1 spots, but he actually wasn't the one that gained the most, uh, Matt. It was Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver from Tennessee. He's one of your guys. He came in at 34.3 back in February. He's up to 23.5 into the second round and really has a little bit of room to grow depending on what happens in the draft. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've got him up at, I've moved him to wide receiver, my wide receiver six. So he's moved up mm. a number of spots for me in my personal rankings as well. Um, so yeah, I I think that, I think NFL teams, if they want size and they want a player that plays up to their size, it's Tillman. You know, Johnston is going to be the one that's probably drafted ahead, but we know his limitations as a big receiver. If you want someone who's fast and is more athletic, you're going to take Johnson. But if you want that possession receiver with the size, I really do think it's Tillman in this class. So uh, I, I think it's almost a lock. I mean, you guys think it's a lock. He's a day two pick at this point. Oh, yeah, it really absolutely. feels that way from everything yeah. we're seeing at this point. Uh, another receiver that's gaining momentum, Ryan, is one of your guys. It's Marvin Mims from 27.9 up to 20.1, so gaining nearly eight spots in a couple of months. His his pro day did some good for him. His combine mm-hmm. certainly did some good as well. And now the mocks seem to suggest that the NFL sees him as a player that isn't just a mid-round type guy. He might be a starter type uh, receiver. Yeah, I think he, along with Tillman, could be uh, could be second rounders. Uh, in fact, uh, yeah. I, I think I would consider that close to a lock at this point. Certainly a lock to be a day two pick for both of those guys. Yeah, I, I really like Mims. I think this is just just probably a case of dynasty managers kind of taking a look at at the player profile, the production that he's consistently had throughout his college career, and uh, and kind of. Uh, updating the value here and and uh, uh, moving a guy like Mims uh, up the board as they 
really kind of let his profile sink in. Tajay Spears is another one that has gained some value. And, and certainly that senior bowl did a lot for him. Mm-hmm. And then of course, what he put on film or, or put on the field, I guess at the combine helped him out as well. Also standing at the podium, he, he really impressed and, oh, yeah. and his ADP has, has shown it's moved up. I have him in the top, top uh, at the, towards the top of the second round in my rookie rankings right now. I, I love the upside of Ty J Spears. He's moved up 6.8 spots. Um, certainly a guy that we're going to be monitoring in on day two of the NFL draft and, and a guy that really could um, bolster his dynasty value or potential dynasty value. If he gets that right landing spot and the type of draft capital that many are talking about. Um, after that, there's a handful of other names that have moved up between four and a half and five and a half spots. Chase Brown's one of those guys, still a third round pick. Uh, Tucker Craft, actually, his ADP is in the fourth round, moved up five and a half spots. Josh Jones is on the list, 5.3 spots from 14.1 up to 8.8. His ADP, Matt, is is climbing. Dynasty managers seem to love Josh Downs as an every down uh, slot receiver that is going to just suck up targets in any offense at this point. That's a that might be a little bit rich for my blood taking him at nine in a single quarterback league. Yeah, I think that's kind of a case of um, just the the best of what's left, maybe. Um, and, and you know, this will kind of shake out once once we have the NFL draft, of course. But um, we see some pretty clear teardrops and it it happens before the end of the first round and um i mean going back to the richardson conversation i think this is why we're seeing uh richardson and and even some of the other other quarterbacks show up in the first round of single quarterback leagues where normally you would not see that we'd rather take a shot on on running backs or receivers but um because that that tier from let's say eight or nine really to the end of the second round is, is so deep. We're, you know, we're, we're taking a chance on those quarterbacks or a guy like downs who doesn't have the, uh, the typical profile of a first round dynasty rookie pick. Yeah. And it really depends on what kind of draft capital he gets if, today. If I have to make that pick, I'm, I'm trading down, even though I have downs ranked as a first round guy and a guy that, that I like, I think he is going to be, one of those players that dominate can dominate at times in the slot in PPR leagues, he could be a monster, but doesn't feel like a guy I want to invest uh, a high rookie pick in. Um, we'll see what happens on draft day there. Uh, other names include Darnell Washington and Luke Musgrave at tight end, both in the uh, five range. They've, they've moved up about five spots. Um, Jaden Reed and Jonathan Mingle, the two wide receivers also moved up about five spots in the last two months. And Mingo is a guy, Ryan, that, that is getting some buzz really. He's, he's a, he's a guy that's looking at day two draft capital as well. And maybe dynasty managers should be taking notice. Yeah. I think it's kind of similar to, to some of the other guys we've talked about Um, in in this case. And and Mingo's not alone here, but the mock drafts start coming out and, and there's a million mock drafts like we talked about at the top of the show, but some of them we, we tend to trust more than others. But, you know, when a guy like Dane Brugler, who is, who is very plugged in um, to the, 
to the league as a whole and certainly to the scouting portion of the league when he shows up with Jonathan Mingo as a, as a day two pick, we start paying attention to that. Um, so that's based on that. And, and a few other people have projected the same thing. I'm looking at Mingo as the day two pick and we have to, based on that, we have to start valuing those guys differently. I mean, if you look at our current ADP, Mingo is still, um, what, still a late fourth rounder, I think. It's somewhere, ridiculous. Yeah. That's, somewhere that's in that ridiculous. range. Ridiculous. I mean, he's he's going to end up as a second round dynasty rookie pick. And, um, you know, if nothing else, it shows us it's a good example and, and exactly what we're talking about here, how much the value on these players changes from February when we begin collecting ADP up until the uh, NFL draft. Yeah, we there. there's so many points of reference that you can point to and say, oh, OK, that's senior bowl. That's what. That's where Ty J Spears, he he jumped onto the map and, and made his presence known. Okay, Mingo had the had the combine, right? Where he ran in the four fours and 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 it was one of them size speed type guys. That that makes sense. Now he should move up. And we we kind of see that correlated in our ADP. But it, from time to time we're a month slow, depending on when that data comes in and, and when that news and those blurbs come across. Um, we try to be ahead of it as much as we can here, especially in the podcast, as we try to talk about these guys as many times as possible. Speaking of these risers, Matt, is there a guy for you that's gained the most dynasty value? What It doesn't have to be necessarily the most spots in ADP like we were just talking about, but somebody who's really grabbed your attention. I can't. I kind of can't believe that Izzy Abanacanda isn't on this list with all the buzz he's gotten since his pro day. To be honest with you, I've I've moved moved him up to running back six, and I feel like I'm probably not the highest on him at that at that ranking. And we have we we don't even have him on the list here as one of the movers. Uh, so that one really sticks out to me. Yeah, really in the middle of the pack, I collected all this information. 25.4 was his ADP a couple months ago, just up two spots to 23.4. I think if we collected ADP right now, Ryan, a Bandicanda, we'd see that climb up there a little bit more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a guy for you? It's it's probably Mingo. You know, I mean, again, going back yeah. to February when we when we start doing some of these rankings and things and collecting ADP, he was even though he's an SEC guy and I, I'm an SEC fan, and he was he was pretty well off my radar. So, uh, and and now, like I said, I, I think he's going to be a second round dynasty rookie pick. So it would have to be him. I think mine and and I I put this chart together and we just went over it. I exit accidentally missed a name it's zay flowers his his adp climbed 5.6 spots from 12.1 all the way up to 6.5 now this month he's the one who surprised me the most not very aware of zay flowers outside of the name and the highlights that you see from time to time on saturday afternoons the more i dug into him as the end of the college season uh came around and you know, when we heard that story that he wasn't going to the senior bowl and was going to go to uh, go to the other bowl game, uh, that was kind of kind of surprising. I dug into him that week and, you know, everything points to me to Zay Flowers being a playmaker at the next level. Uh, I think he deserves to be where he is in his current ADP and he was a bargain at the end of the first round. Let's go through some of the fallers real quickly. Um, not going to be a surprise. Keishon Butte was one of the top ones. 
on this list, dropping 11.9 spots from 12.8 to 24.7. He wasn't the biggest faller, though. Uh, Tank Dell was actually the biggest faller from 31.6 to 44.8. Clearly, that has to do with with Dynasty manager f- managers seeing how small he is and that scaring them off. Uh, he had such a nice combine and such a nice workout that it was a little surprising to me, Matt, that Tank Dell would have lost the most value. Yeah, in the fourth round, that is a screaming deal. <laughs> like that is that is ridiculous. I have him at wide receiver eight, and I know the size concerns are there. Obviously, with there there isn't a wide receiver we can really even compare him to uh, in the NFL right now. But when you watch him on film, he gets open with ease for someone his size. He shows the ability to play on the sidelines uh, the, near the goal line. The dude had 17 touchdowns last year at that size. And I'm not saying it's all going to translate to the NFL, but I do think he is going to end up as a day two pick. Uh, and this ADP is going to climb, maybe not into like the early mid second round, but I think we're looking at late second round as like his floor uh, after the draft Ooh. is over. Okay. I'd, I'd like to see him back in the black where he was in February. 31.6 was his ADP then. I, I'm good with there. That that seems like the right spot for Tank Dell to me. Other guys that lost at least 10 spots in ADP over the last couple months, Kenny McIntosh and Parker Washington, uh, 11.1 and 10.1 spots respectively. Parker Washington is a guy that has intrigued me for quite a while. I, I, I kind of think he could be one of those guys that are better pro than a college player. There are things to like about Parker Washington and I've heard a little bit of buzz recently about him that makes me think that uh, come draft day, we might hear his name a little bit earlier than we've expected here over the last couple months. He could be back into the third round rather than the fourth by the time we're drafting next month. Uh, Other names worth mentioning here. Mohamed Ingraham lost 7.2 spots. Uh, Bryce Young from 8.5 down to 14. That's probably just the quarterbacks going early because those were names that everybody knew early on. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson, who's has a little bit of buzz here recently, lost five spots from 34.9 to 39.9. Sean Tucker, Will Levis, and then Rashi Rice from 23.7 to 28.3. There's a few names that have lost uh, some ground in our ADP in the last 60 days. I'm wondering, Matt, is there a guy to you that's lost the most dynasty value throughout this process since the Senior Bowl? Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say Kayshawn Booty. He just yeah. seems to continue to yeah. fall down the boards. And, you know, when we first started this process, I, you know, I, I didn't know a lot of these names and, you know, when I first started, it seemed like he, at that point in time, he was like the consensus top five wide receiver in that cl- in this class. And obviously that has been proven not to be the case as we've gone through this, this pre-draft process of with the combine and, and uh, pro days and all of that. So uh, I still think there's hope that he could get some, you know, early day three capital and maybe be back on our radar a little bit, but uh, it, it's been a, a quite a fall for, for Kayshawn Booty. Yeah, that's that's my answer as well. I think it's hard to, it's really hard to find anybody else. Yeah. yeah, there were there were a lot of people who just kind of assumed he would be a first round dynasty rookie pick. As Matt said, he would be a top five uh, wide receiver in this class, and yeah, that's that's just not going to happen. Yeah, just for the sake of being different, I'm going to say Quentin Johnston for me. Yeah. That that's the that's guy who's lost lost just too much, and and really, you know. 
Fute was they were they were they were ranked similarly at the beginning of this process, right? So <laughs> so it's it's more significant that Butte fell that far and Johnston, for me at least, has fallen towards the end of the first round in rookie draft rankings. I'm I'm I just so badly want him to be that big alpha receiver and he's not that kind of guy. Uh maybe he'll prove me wrong and just be the be the big guy that plays like a little guy and does it really, really well. Uh, it just doesn't, doesn't work for me. I don't think I'm going to have Quentin Johnston on any of my teams. Uh, before we move on, um, is there a rookie Matt that, that has the most to gain on draft weekend for you? Yeah, I wrote down, uh, Roshan Johnson for this question because yeah, if he does I get that him. day two capital as a, you know, a quote unquote backup running back in, in, in college football behind the best running back prospect in the class, you know, like maybe this is like a Cadillac Williams, Ronnie Brown situation. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think that he has a lot to gain though. Uh, clearly. I like that one, Ryan. Mm, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many because I feel like the tiers are so muddy right now. So, yeah, so difficult really to figure out a tier three of running back. I mean, Matt named one of those. You could go with, with almost any, yeah, of, those go with guys. any of those guys. Really? Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Darnell Washington here. I I think he has a chance okay. to be the first tight end drafted potentially in the NFL draft. Um that those those four or five tight ends are certainly uh packed in pretty tightly in rankings as well, hard to hard to differentiate between those guys right now. So, uh, Darnell Washington really impressed me at the combine. It was uh, hard not to be impressed by what what he did. Um, so yeah, good, good draft capital on a nice landing spot could really boost his value even more. Yeah. Those are both names that I, uh, considered for sure. And you're right. That, that tier three of running backs, whether it be a Banacanda or Bigsby or Spears, Zach Evans, uh, Kendra Miller, if you're excited about his upside, you know, that there's really a list that you could, you could choose any of them. I, it might sound kind of crazy, but I think the guy who has the most to gain might actually be Will Levis. And, you know, it's not that crazy to see a mock draft where he's picked in the top five picks. And, you know, if he gets the landing spot that that pairs him with a coach that that's good with quarterbacks and can bring him along relatively slowly while having him on the field, he has some of the raw skills that he could surprise a lot of dynasty managers, I think, if if it clicks. And if there was just something wrong in his senior season at Kentucky, whether it be injury or coaching changes or the group around him, that without that, he turns it back on to more like he was a, as a junior. I don't know if we're all going to see that all on draft night, unfortunately. So maybe maybe that he's not the right answer to this question. But I think there's a path to Will Levis being – being way better than a lot of dynasty managers named Mike, Matt Price uh, give him credit for. <laughs> uh, he takes a sack on more than one every every five dropbacks, so we'll see. Uh, what rookie, Matt, has the most to lose on draft weekend? I th- nope, I, don't you say said it. Will Levis, and I thought it was uh, Will Levis. That's who I had written down, but I'll pick somebody else. Uh, I mean, I just think that if he falls into the 20s, like we're, we're not going to see him to this a good year. team. Uh, <laughs> to a yeah. good team that already That'd has a quarterback. So and So terrible. I mean, it, it, I mean, where where is he gonna where, where is he gonna go that he has a chance to start down in the in the twenties? Tampa anytime soon. I just Tampa's nineteen. I mean, that's nineteen. Yeah, I guess so. But he's gonna. I don't know. I, I guess that's true. 
But I mean, it's not a top ten pick. Detroit. So, um, he's not going you, to Detroit. Come on. You want more? Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, totally I don't know. I'm sticking. With, I'm sticking. Minnesota. Yeah, that'd be a good landing spot. He ain't going to start this yeah, year, I mean, but that'd be a great landing spot for him. Okay. Uh, who you got? <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to stay there. I don't have another answer. So I'm just going to stick right. with Lewis. Ryan, give us a good one instead of that. <laughs> um, I mean, when I think of this question, the most to lose, I, I, I try to think about players that I'm not confident in how the NFL values them. And – the player that I think about this year is Quentin Johnston. Uh, we've seen him show up in the, in the first rounds of so many mock drafts over the past months. Uh, but I, I don't think he's going to be a first rounder and I'm not sure he's getting, going to even be an early second rounder. Like to me, it's, it's realistic that we see him fall to the late part of the second round and his dynasty value just gets destroyed based on where, where it was. I mean, destroyed meaning maybe he's, a very late first rounder or early second rounder in, in rookie drafts versus a top five pick. Like he, like we thought he was a few weeks ago. Great answer. That was the name I was going to bring up once again, I'll pivot though. And I'll go with Michael Mayer Mm. because Mm. he may not get that first round draft capital either. And maybe it's not his fault because it is a deep tight end class. And a lot of man, uh, general managers in the NFL might think to themselves, Let's not take a tight end in round one. Let's wait till round two, maybe even round three. And maybe that pushes some of these guys down the board. Michael Mayer was considered a mid first round dynasty asset uh, just a couple months ago. And then a ho-hum combine and, and some big performances from other tight ends have pushed him down, not only in dynasty managers eyes, or at least the three of ours, uh, but also I think maybe in NFL uh, teams, eyes as well down their draft boards i'll go with michael mayer it's time for the rookie report yeah three new names to talk about guys uh we failed last week to rank a couple of the guys that we talked about so we're gonna have to get those guys in here as we move along but let's uh let's start things off with Jaden reed matt he's uh he's a fun one I, I like Jaden Reed a lot. Of course, I'm a I'm a Big Ten football fan. Lot, watch Jaden Reed a lot, and he's um, I, I say this regularly. Another guy that I feel like could be a better pro than he is a college player. Missed a lot of time in his college career, but ran a nice forty. Uh, measured in well for for a tweener slot slash outside guy, and showed enough on film. I think to prove that he could be a traditional X at 5'11", 190, or whatever he weighed in at. Yeah, I, I think his best trait, Dan, is is after the catchability. And you see that, yeah. you know, he plays on special teams. He's got, uh, you see, you, you basically see the, the team wanting to get the ball in his hand. He plays everywhere on the field. He plays all three wide receiver positions. He plays on jet sweeps. You see him get receptions out of the backfield. 
it just he's just a guy that the offense wanted to get the ball in their hands so you get it to the into him that early area of the field and you let him do his thing he does track the ball well downfield uh, yeah. and one of my favorite things he does uh is it's very like kind of a savvy vet move is where he he's got late hands like that ball's coming in that he, he notices the defender is not trying to track the ball he doesn't know where the ball is those hands don't come up till the last second and you love to see that that's a, a veteran move and he's already doing that in college we we saw him all over the field, like you mentioned. You'd see him on bubble screens and on those quick quick plays. You'd see him run slants. There's there's a really impressive slot fade for a touchdown that he caught. Mm-hmm. That was that was a great catch and what a route. And then for a guy his size, he breaks tackles more than maybe you expect him to. Um, a strong lower body and he and he gets through arm tackles and makes guys miss. Um. Not just by illusion, but also by running through tackles. So I think he's a little bit underrated because I think many see the size profile and maybe see some of his highlights at Michigan State and think to themselves, oh, well, what is he? Is he a slot? Is he an Mm -hmm. X? Can he play the Z? And the truth is, I think he can do a little bit of everything. He reminds me a little bit of Greg Jennings, an old Packer name, Mm. of course. and. You know, I, I think that's maybe his his ultimate upside. Maybe he's a poor man's Greg Jennings or something like that. And that makes me think that that he could be a better pro. Um, Ryan, when it comes to his his potential gra- draft capital, it's really all over the board. There, there are some that think he could sneak into the third round, but there's others that think he's going to be available in the fifth or the sixth. Where do you see Jaden Reed going from what you're seeing? Yeah, it does seem like he's going to fall into day three, but but I think he could go early day three, you know, fourth round certainly, and still have still be relevant. And I mean, you think about his profile, and um, it, it's Marvin Mims that seems to be getting all the attention. We talked about him earlier in the show, but Jaden Reed feels like a pretty similar player. Uh, productive throughout their college career, a little bit undersized, but can still play inside or out. Um, so yeah, I think, I think Jaden Reed is certainly underrated, undervalued as well. You look at his, at his current ADP 35 overall and wide receiver 12 suggests that he'll be a late third rounder in rookie, uh, rookie drafts. I think probably we could, we could move that up maybe even almost a full round to the early third round and he'd be a reasonable pick in that range. Yeah. He's one of my favorites in that range, but there are reasons to question uh, if he can be a regular contributor at the next level. And part of that is Matt, that he, he does move around. He's never really, really grabbed hold of a specific position in that Michigan state offense and then been the guy uh, that number one receiver. Um, he's not a high flying player. He's not going to make those plays above the rim or anything like that. And that might limit his touchdown upside at the next level because he doesn't have elite game breaking speed. So typically the guys that don't have one or the other have to be really good at everything else. And, and he might just be good at everything else. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, you mentioned the lack of deep speed. Yeah, he's definitely quicker than he is fast. Um, he does win on deep targets, though, but through yeah. his routes, especially on those post routes, right? Um, the the one, like, gripe I, that I really have about him is he doesn't always – he lets that ball come to him. He doesn't go attack the ball with his hands. It comes into yeah. his body far too often. Um, but, you know, I, 
I think he's good enough on those routes that he can win there if they ask him to do that. But I, I don't I don't necessarily think they're going to. I also have the same worry that maybe he gets pigeonholed as kind of a gadgety player and just never gets the target volume that we need for him to be successful in fantasy. Um, but I think if a, if a team asks him to be that slot receiver and, you know, occasionally drift outside and, and two wide receiver sets, he could do it if he was asked to. Hopefully he gets in a position where he can be on the field enough to, to get that kind of target volume that you're talking yep. about. Uh, most likely he profiles as a wide receiver three on an NFL team that can move around the formation and, and kind of fill in for anybody else. Wide receiver three, four. Um, I'm wondering if we're drafting today, Matt, where are you thinking you're, you're wanting to slot him in among our rankings? Well, I've got him at wide receiver nine overall, just behind Tank Dell. And I know that our rankings are a little bit different than that. So, um, man, I'd say, I'd say right, I'd say right around that range, though, 29 to 30 range, 29 to 32 range, somewhere in there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with that. I have him right behind Tank Dell as well, and I'm, I'm surprised that you like him more than I do. I have him at wide receiver twelve. I thought, man, I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna love scooping him up late in the third round. I'm gonna have to move him closer to where Ryan is talking about early early third round if I'm gonna get my hands on him. Ryan, how do you feel about his value right now in dynasty? Yeah, I like uh, I like that range as far as our ranking as well. Right behind Tank Dell, we've Dell. We've got the tight ends in front of Dell, and I would uh, I would definitely prefer them to Jaden Reed still uh, at that big group of of tight ends. So I'm good with that ranking, which puts him at 32 overall uh, so far of the players we've looked at. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's talk a little bit about Jonathan Mingo. And just for for uh, for fun, let's start off with you, Ryan. Your thoughts on the Ole Miss wide receiver? Well, I mean, a, a, a big-bodied guy. And I, I think that is a big part of why we're seeing him gain value uh, recently here. And, uh, you know, we could we could say similar things about Tillman. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of been a theme of this of this rookie class and Matt has talked about the undersized wide receivers so much including uh including the guys we see at the top of Flowers and and uh Addison uh among them so i i think when when you look at a player like um like Mingo who's 6263 over 200 pounds and and there's only two or three of those in the entire class that player starts to gain value. So I really like Mingo. I like his upside. We talked about the the projected draft capital that, that some of the experts are seeing, and that's that's all good. But I, I am a little bit concerned that the only reason he's moving up and he's getting this hype is because he's one of the few uh, big-bodied wide receivers. If If that's all that we – if that's all we like about him over the past month, then that con- that concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I get that. I, I hadn't really thought about that, but he is that traditional X receiver on the outside that's going to win with phys- physicality mm-hmm. and use his big body to be a uh, a playmaker in the short to intermediate as well as down the field. The problem for me is he struggles vertically. He, he doesn't separate regularly, even against secondary uh, uh, defenders against against uh the second or third defensive back on a on a college team and 
I know he played at Ole Miss, but that gives me pause. That makes me question if he's um, if he's really got the chops to make it at the next level. So, you know, I guess those are the negative. We went through the negatives. What's nice about Mingo, though, Matt, is his run after catch ability. He can make plays after uh, making the catch, and he's strong. He breaks tackles. He's he's got big big hands, and he likes to go get it. So. If if you're if you're looking for that guy that can play on the outside and and maybe develop into a wide receiver two at, for your NFL team, maybe Mingo has that kind of upside. Um, but Ryan brought up some some good concerns as far as why his value was gaining here recently. Well, I was I was counting on you guys for the positives because I have like three positive and then I have like a page of negatives. So, <laughs> OK, He's, well, we, uh... we both kind of went negatives when we we're supposed to go <laughs> positives. That's that's not painting a very good bright picture for Mingo. No, listen, uh, I think his, the bad parts of his game are eye opening. You know, he never his, his highest yardage total in a, in a season was this year with 861 yards. That's 66, not even the most on his own team. Only five touchdowns. That was 123rd in college football. Of those 861 yards, 350 or 41% of them uh, came from two games, and three out of the five TDs come from two games. He had nine for 247 and two touchdowns against Vanderbilt, three for 103 and a touchdown against Central Arkansas. Uh, 416 of his 861 yards came on screen passes. So almost 50% of his yards came on screen passes, seven games of less than 50 yards. I hear people comping him to Debo because of the size, because of the running. He has, he has four carries for negative seven rushing yards in college. Uh, and I know it could be different in the NFL. Maybe they will use them like that, but it's going to be a projection. Uh, and like you said, Dan, he can't, I, I can't I can't I don't ever see him get open or separate consistently against smaller collegiate corners. Twenty percent of his receptions were contested. There's just no suddenness to his routes. There's no hip sync. There's no misdirection. There's no uh, you know savviness to his routes. He doesn't snap off the stem and create that instant window of separation. Uh, you see the corner punch him early in the route and he can't recover from it. So to me, I see a guy that can't get open consistently, can't catch consistently. Uh, you don't even really see him make him try to make people miss in the open field. He run almost like he runs straight into contact. He only had eight forced missed tackles uh, last season, which is, which is not very good. So I don't, I don't get it. And all that said, I still have him at like wide receiver 11, I think 10 or 11 um, just because of that size aspect. And I do believe he's going to get pushed up into day two at this point. So at that point, we'll have to reconsider based on landing spot, but as a player, just based on the film, like I, I don't like him at all. Wow, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> it does feel like he's I didn't gonna, even he's I didn't gonna, even tell you everything. I did see some I saw some DK fourth. So, yeah, I saw some of that DK yeah, stuff too. People said DK AJ comments. Brown too. People said AJ Brown. Come on, are you kidding me? Just because of the uniform and the size? Like he is I, not AJ Brown. I kind of get I, I get the DK comps a little bit. And, and that could be because because of the uniform as well. But um I don't get AJ Brown at well, all. Well, he had he had a that athletic testing too, that, right. that makes you think because, you know, Matt, you talked about the smaller DBs. There were times where he'd let the ball get into his body and try to catch it late rather than just jumping over the smaller DB and yeah. making the play above the rim. And that's he, maddening when you watch him at the combine run a four, four and jump of 40 inches. One, and you one. say, where, what, why didn't that show up on film enough? So oh, totally. everything you, you, you said the perfect word, 
everything is projection with Mingo. And I get why people get excited about it. It's just we haven't seen enough of it on the field. Dan, one really interesting thing is like he is so physical after the catch. Like he seeks out contact. Like I said, he doesn't really try to make anybody miss. But at the catch point, he gets kind of bullied sometimes, which should not happen at his size and weight, right? So I just like DK Metcalf, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's the next DK, DK Metcalf. Gosh. Oh, geez. I missed on DK. Uh, you, so, said you, you, ha- you have him in your top 12 receivers. That's a little higher than I have him. I have him at 14. Guys like Jaden Reed and Tyler Scott, Tank Dell, they're all above him. Mm-hmm. Mingo, I think most most dynasty managers are going to want him more than I do. Maybe he gets draft capital or a landing spot that makes me think twice about that. But I'm going to rank him pretty low. Um, yeah, looking at these rankings, I don't know. I, I, oh, wow. We're way too low on Cedric Tillman. That's another story. Uh, I'm going to say. I'm going to say right after Reed, honestly, I had a booty. That's. Oh no. Oh no. No, no. We get. I don't, I don't like that. (laughs) I'm not going there. We Um, we need to redo these rankings again, I think, but. (laughs) Like, well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do them before before our final episode before the before the draft for sure. Um, I, but we got to place him somewhere. I Ryan, say, where were you? Thinking? I'm I'm going after Kendra Miller, which is still twenty five overall. I thought, oh, okay. Uh, I thought you guys liked Tank Dell more though. I do. Oh, I, I, I was going the other way. Like oh, no. you said, after Kayshawn Booty. I said after Tank Dell, yeah. after Jaden Reed, somewhere in that area. Yeah, I, but we're gonna have I to understand split the, split the with, middle on it somewhere. I understand. Uh, I, I want those tight ends over over him, Ryan. Yeah, that's I, fine. I think I want all those tight ends. That's fine. So, and I want. I think I want Take Dell over him. I know I want Jaden <laughs> Reed over him. Um, well, I'm I'm the loser in this. Ryan's one, outvoted but, on this one. Yeah, Matt, place him right there behind uh, Jaden Reed at 33 overall. Perfect. Uh, final guy we need to talk about here is it's Evan Hall. I can't get this yeah. to pull up, but I know it is uh, the Northwestern running back. Uh, you know, I know a lot about Evan Hall. I watched him a lot this week, actually, uh, just to get ready for this podcast. And also because I consistently see him mocked to the Green Bay Packers in like the sixth Ooh, round. So I like that. Um, you like that? You're a, you're an Evan Evan Hall I guy, am. Matt. I love it. I love him. I I really like him, and I did not really watch a ton of them until this past week. So maybe I'm still Good. on like a little bit of recency bias. Um, but listen, he's not Bijan, but he certainly tested well, similar he pe- to Bijan. He Bijan's, catches passes, right? so of course, Price is gonna yeah, fifty five. He led the country <laughs> in receptions. I know he, he ran one hundred one one hundred second. Uh, of a second slower than Bijan four four seven to Bijan's four six. He ran. He was tied for fifth with Bijan and Charbonnet with his bird at set thirty seven inches, just one inch less than Bijan and the broad one inch longer than Charbonnet. So, sub seven second three cone, which you know you love. We love to see, especially from our running backs. Only two running backs did run the re- three cone though at the combine, which was strange. But he was the the best of the two that did it. Uh, and the count, contact balance blows just kind of glance off him. You can't arm tackle him. He catches the ball really well. Uh, just, you have to wrap this guy up once he gets into the second level. Otherwise, you're not going to get him down. Aggressively finishes the runs. 
I think he's got I think he's got legit three down potential. I mean, draft capital is going to be an issue for him, but if he gets an opportunity, I think you could see him have some success. Yeah, he might be the sleeper of the running back position, honestly. I loved Evan Hall at Northwestern, and I always thought to myself, he's probably a really good Big Ten running back that that is going to be a rotational guy or a, a guy that's the 52nd guy in a 53-man roster, that that type of player. He, he, he's a, he'll be a special teams contributor. But the more I think about it, the more I feel like his game might might translate well to the NFL because he does all those things that you were talking about there, Matt. He's a, he's like a confident runner, right? He, he is, man. He wants to take on tacklers and he wants to challenge them and make them try to try to try to make a play on him. Um, I, I really like the, like how he uh, works between the tackles particularly and how he doesn't, he doesn't step back from a challenge with linebackers in the hole or anything like that. I, I think he could contribute on first and second down. He could be a short yardage guy, and he certainly could be a goal line guy. Plus that passing efficiency that you talked about there. He's not just that dump off type running back. Yep. Northwestern used him as a weapon, as a passing game weapon, um, multiple different routes. He ran combination routes, um, option routes, and that's going to translate. Some NFL coach is going to say, we need to find a way to get this guy on the field because he's smart and he's hard to bring down. Uh, if there's negatives though, it's probably that, that he's not super sudden. He doesn't have like crazy agility and, and he's not going to shake somebody in the hole or simply just outrun somebody to the edge. So he doesn't have the like elite athletic traits that all around the board that make you think he could dominate a backfield and get 23 carries every game. He's more of the guy that if you don't have an elite runner, you are fine giving him 12 to 15 carries a game and then mixing him in as a pass catcher, which translates well to the NFL and, and certainly to fantasy, but he has to be in the right situation to really be productive for us. That draft capital is going to be a question because, like I said, I always see him with a sixth-round draft grade or a fifth-round draft grade, Ryan. And if that happens, he's going to slip under the radar in Dynasty Draft. Yeah, <clears throat> and it, it does seem like that's going to happen, uh, unfortunately, based on, uh, again, everything I've seen, no no sniffing uh, day, day two or, or even early day right. three for Evan Hull. So, uh, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you guys said as far as a, a player that kind of surprised me when I, when I got to see him a little bit more. Um, the, the, I did not, a, after watching, um, I, I don't know, the, the games that I caught, I guess, were uh, lots of run opportunities early, and then they started passing him the ball. And, and I was almost surprised that he was able to uh, look so fluid as a pass catcher uh, when, when he got the chance. So, yeah, a little, little bit of a surprising player overall. We we just need him. If he's not getting the draft capital, he's got to get the landing spot. Yep. Yeah, so what's that going to be? He's probably going to be in a zone running scheme. He's probably got to be in a, in a spot where he can at least mix in early in his career to gain any dynasty value. And that's probably too many ifs to rank yeah. him super high in these rankings, to be honest with you. Uh, I I think we all like Evan Hall, but he's seen as more of a sleeper than a guy we're we're targeting every single draft unless we're talking 
probably about the fourth round in a in a rookie draft. Where are you going to rank him here, Matt? I've got him at running back nine. I'd rather have him than, you know, again, minus draft capital. I'd rather have him over Sean Tucker. I'd rather have him over Kendra Miller, over Zach Evans, over Chase Brown, all these guys. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, I, you guys are going to have to rank him cause I think I am, uh, probably too high <laughs> on him. Um, I would put him in this on our list. I would put him right in the same range as we put these other two guys, honestly, probably ahead or maybe just behind Jaden Reed. Hmm. I, I think, I think I'd be more comfortable down in that Kenny McIntosh, Keaton Mitchell range, Ryan, where, where are you thinking? I, I definitely prefer Chase Brown to Hole, and we have Brown at 35 overall. So I would be, I would be fine with him anywhere after, after Chase Brown, but uh, I'm surprised to hear guys like Hendry Miller and, and Zach Evans being behind him uh, on Matt's list. That's, that's that, yeah, we're going to, we might have to spend a little time, this week, uh, catches the ball. Those guys don't catch ranking. the ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's a dynasty dynasty through and through. Uh, <laughs> PPR through and through. That's our Matt Price. Uh, I think we've. What are we up to? Forty five rookies now. Uh, Forty two rookies. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna add three more again next week, guys, and we got to get one more mock in. We're gonna we're gonna revisit these rankings and give an update of those. So we're gonna have a lot to do next week. Hope you join us for that uh but that does it for this episode of the dlf dynasty podcast for matt and ryan i'm dan thanks for listening and we'll catch you again next week thank you for listening to the dlf dynasty podcast please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts